Welcome to season two of Talks and Sips. I'm Jess. And I'm Sessie. How you doing? What you sipping? Does it spark joy? <laughs> I am sipping. I'm like contradicting myself with this cup, by the way. <laughs> it's a it's a Spider-Man pumpkin mm. on one side and on the other side it says my pumpkin spice sense is tingling. I love that. And it's like a white and orange, but I'm drinking a white chocolate latte out of this. That's a holiday <laughs> drink, ma'am. It is. <laughs> I... I we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you drinking? Out of my really cool like kitty pumpkin cup. I know. I was like, is mm-hmm. it a cat? Is it a bat? Well, it can either be way. Anything you want. It's cute. <laughs> um, I'm having a latte because well, we'll get into that right now. But yeah, I'm gonna have a sip right now. Wow, wow. Is there? There's nothing in there. It's in my imagination. <laughs> Is this a cockroach? Is that a cockroach? (laughs) Hold. Please hold. Anyway. Okay. Just kidding. All right. So as you know, uh, the Starbuckses all around us have slowly begun running out of pumpkin cream. You could taste it too. Like when they still make it, you could taste when it's (sighs) It's like diluted. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what is this trash? Tell me you don't have it. Just say no. (laughs) I'm Devo, babe. I'm Devo. Um, All that to say that the holidays are very much all up in our faces Mm -hmm. now and you know, I don't jam with these holiday drinks. Uh, <laughs> guess I'll go back to sipping my old man coffee. <laughs> so latte with coconut milk or, you know, half brewed, half mm-hmm. coconut milk. Yeah. The white chocolate one's my favorite. It's the toasted white chocolate one. That's the holiday one, which mm. this might be. I don't know. I just ordered whatever they had. <laughs> but the white chocolate one's all year round. I don't know what the difference is, but like it's I think it's just that they put less like cream or something, or something in the toasted one. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I think that's it, though. <laughs> OK, well, you know, as you know, dry bird day came and went. Uh, so what are we up to now? Well, we are like right around the corner. It's Christmas. So Christmas, Christmas Eve, however you celebrate it. I think, do we both do Christmas Eve? Mm-mm. No, you do Christmas Day. I do Christmas Day evening. So at this point, everyone's already on social, like, this is what I got, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like twiddling my thumbs, waiting for Pozole at like four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, no, it's boring for me. Oh, okay. We've always done it on Christmas Eve and like waited until midnight to open everything, but we never wait. So, <laughs> so Black Friday has passed. Retail stores have officially begun playing their Christmas music. And, you know, back in my retail days, which was like, I don't know, three years ago, <laughs> three, two years ago, uh, I was working at an arts and crafts store which we will not disclose the name of <laughs> we're not gonna give them that credit <laughs> yeah but i would i would dread going to work during the holidays for quite a few reasons <laughs> not only you know it's just a mob of people getting christmas gifts for their kids that they think they like and actual artists that know that things are on sale yeah. so they like stock up but you know they also make a mess and arts and crafts means glitter so there's glitter everywhere for the next like three months you're like i was wiping my butt that one time that one (laughs) month and every day i was like how did that even get there from that like the troll uh from that trolls movie oh yeah (laughs) guy diamond that's his name (laughs) but on top of that like just to make you go even more crazy they play like the five same Christmas songs mm-hmm. on repeat. Christmas songs, a songs, songs. <laughs> my lisp. <laughs> we both have it. <laughs> so I'm sure you all know. And if you don't, well, you will know very soon. One of the songs in particular that's infamous for being played, like on repeat during the holiday season, is the All I Want for Christmas is You song by Mariah Carey. Mm. And I actually heard it for the first time this last week at a Macy's. And I was, um, uh, 
It was something. I didn't even notice until Matt pointed it out. But <laughs> Oh, that means you're numb to it. I'm Yeah, it's just whatever. I would have been <laughs> so outraged. What the fuck is this? <laughs> so I think we can all agree that Mariah has been crowned the Queen of Christmas, whether it's by people crowning her or her crowning herself. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Fake it till you make it? Yeah. <laughs> and even this year, she made a video that went viral of her smashing pumpkins the day after Halloween while the song played over that. Oh my God. And she's what is, she said something like, it's time. Yeah. And then it started playing. But however, she isn't new to this. Her album, Merry Christmas, came out on October 28th, 1994. And so just two or three days before Halloween. So the disrespect year. happened twice here. Yeah, this <laughs> year and back in 1994. <laughs> the treachery. <laughs> so, um, Jess, are you ready? Because we're going to hop into our time machine, our invisible time machine, and go back to 93 and 94. Okay, let's do it. Let's go back to the future. That's not it. <laughs> I mean, we'll come back. So I guess. <laughs> I guess. So after the success on her Music Box album, Mariah's ex-husband, Tommy Matala, was the one who suggested that she should do a Christmas album. Mm. And there were a few people on her team who were like, you probably shouldn't do that because, you know, this is kind of, uh, what do they call it? Like when you're reaching for the last... Yeah, it's like, like a career suicide. It's like career. This is what you do as you're going to finish. This is the last thing yeah. before you're done. When you like, try to like get something back. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're not there yet. You just had a number like a number yeah. one album. It's not time for that. But that's what like that's why they're like if you end up in Vegas, you know, you're done. Ye- like Vegas residencies. <laughs> that actually. Did you ever watch Shit's Creek? I know you I did it. No. So. Oh my god! There's a the one episode where Moira, Moira she's like mm-hmm. an old actress. They're all living in Schitt's Creek, right? And then her daughter's like working to be like a management, blah blah blah. So she's like, "I got you this gig." And then she mm-hmm. they get there, and she doesn't realize that it's like a a toe like picture gig, okay. like mm-hmm. for her feet. And she's like, "This is the bottom. <laughs> this is this is I can never come back." From yeah. This. <laughs> so something maybe. like that. But I mean, <laughs> those toe picks make money, right? So. Mm. <laughs> So obviously, all of that, like everybody telling her not to do it, it didn't stop her. Yeah. But, you know, imagine if it did. Like, who's who's the Christmas queen if Mariah Carey didn't uh, do that? I was saying Ariana Grande, but... Yeah, but she came like a ways after. Yeah. So there's like a good 20, Period. 25 years of just... Who, oh, between that time frame? Yeah, between Ariana Grande really coming up. That's true. And, yeah. mm-hmm. So anyways, the album also... The album was also produced and co-written by Walter Afanasyev alongside mariah so for those who aren't well versed with names like mm-hmm. who that yeah so walter <laughs> he is a brazilian american uh producer songwriter he's just in the industry kind of everything and he helped mariah on the album previous to that christmas mm. one so they have a good relationship already going yeah. into this they've so teamwork stuff yeah out. Mm-hmm. um so he would be kind of like those ghost writers sort of Kind of, except she would give him credit. Oh, yeah. So then yeah. he's more of a producer-producer then. Yeah. yeah. I think he is listed on as a producer and a co-writer on that Merry Christmas one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with this, it made me think of, and I and I had mentioned it to you before, uh, there's Mark Ronson. He's like a big DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, his stuff is freaking groovy, man. Yeah. Like, it's really good. He's worked with Bruno Mars, everybody. And then 
uh, the other day I went to karaoke and I sang mm-hmm. Shallow with one of our friends mm-hmm. and we freaking crushed, man. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, who wrote Shallow, you know, for Bradley Cooper and yeah. Lady Gaga? It was freaking Mark Ronson. Like, what? <laughs> when things cross like that, yeah. you're like, what is going He's on? He's a jack of all trades in music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Walter, this is from an interview in 2014. He said, 20 years ago, Christmas music and Christmas albums by artists weren't the big deal that they are today. Which is true. I feel like now, like, people kind of freak out about it. Yeah. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> the first song we wrote was Miss You Most at Christmas Time. It was a ballady sort of sad song. You know, mm-hmm. everybody loves sad songs around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And then we wrote a classical sort of religious song called Jesus Born on This Day. Then we started to write what Mariah wanted to do and what Tommy Matala Again, her ex-husband and the CEO of Sony. Sony. Yeah, he wanted to do like a Phil Spector old rock and roll 60s sounding Christmas song. Mm. So they have a good like spectrum. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to work with. Yeah, religious song, Mm. the sad song, the rock and roll song, Mm -hmm. which I guess, you know, you want to give everybody something. Yeah. So, you know, put all this in a pot, add that Mariah sparkle, like a little salt bay. Yeah, stir it up and... (laughs) Some tweaks from Mr. Walter. He's like, <laughs> no, 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 we go through me first. Yeah. <laughs> and you get the album we all know and may love. Mm. So since the release of the album, the single All I Want for Christmas Is You has dominated the Christmas music scene, as we know. Mm-hmm. And as of December 2020, the song annually tops the list of most stream holiday songs and is officially the most downloaded holiday single of all time. What a record. <laughs> but also think about this. They were warning her, this is the end of your career. Yeah. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. This is what goes boom, you're done. And it's, and it's literally the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> it saved her bacon. Mm-hmm. Like, cause yeah. she's been gone for a minute. And then yeah, come she's Christmas, even tried acting. Yeah. And you're like, and yeah. It doesn't matter. She's I mean, there as long as her music streams, as long as mm-hmm. it's used in, you know, different her name's just gonna keep popping up with that. It's yeah. yeah. So she's she's set. She's set either way, but this mm-hmm. really cements that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And according to Tech Times, it's also the eleventh highest selling single of all time Jesus. and <laughs> has earned more than fifty million dollars for Mariah and Walter. So that's a good chunk of change every Christmas. Dang, Walter, I don't even know what you look like. And you're just running around being rich. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to deal with like the woes of fame. No, <laughs> like he's just, I'm going to just help celebrities write albums. Gotcha. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so with fame comes great fortune, as we can see. But you know what else comes with fame? Drama. Tons and tons of drama. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. Piggybacking on the drama, this year alone, Mariah is already helping stir, as she puts her cup down, uh, the pot. (laughs) Could playing Christmas holiday music before Thanksgiving and immediately after Halloween be overkill? I think so. Do that. We biasly say, (laughs) hell yeah. Hell yeah, it is. There is no reason, and I mean none whatsoever <laughs> to holly jolly force me to be merry at the market as i'm buying electrolytes to recover from my halloween raging yeah. or you know when you're like <laughs> i mean i leave my halloween decorations up all year round but i've seen memes of like oh when you're taking them down and yeah. like it's christmas just slowly coming over your uh, shoulder no <laughs> i think there was a meme of that yeah i'll send it to you <laughs> 
On October 21st, a verified account belonging to a dude named Kyle Smith posted a picture onto Twitter from a bar in Dallas. And the picture was literally um, a printed paper on top of a jukebox. And it Mm -hmm. said, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You will be skipped if played before December 1st. (laughs) After December 1st, the song is only allowed one time a night. I wish my old job would have done that. Right? <laughs> this was, like I said, it was a it was a sign. And if I looked at the timestamp, and this was on October 22nd. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I was before. Like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> you know, so he didn't actually name out the bar, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of nice. And he didn't dox them, which was really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. In a fun tweet rebuttal, Carrie posted a pic of herself dressed in battle armor holding a sword from a 2015 ad she shot for the mobile video game Game of War. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Twitter lost their marbles because, <laughs> yeah. well, hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fans were like, where can we join your army? <laughs> How can I be part of that? <laughs> and, yeah. So it's all fun and games until you work in retail stores like oh, sweet Cecilia did here not too long ago. <laughs> and someone who works retail replied to all of this and goes, if you haven't worked retail, then let me explain. The song plays 50 times a day on the radio or on the store radio from November 1st, maybe earlier, to December 25th. It's hell. It truly is. <laughs> <laughs> Another person on Twitter chimed in, and then it's the caption read, Another soon-to-be-divorced man <laughs> wrote, I need to print this out for my wife, which received the prompt response of, how about you let your wife enjoy things like before she decides you aren't one of those things? <laughs> oh my god! But also like, day just for a song savagery. <laughs> yep, holiday drama is already coming in hot. But that's what they compare Twitter. Like they compare yeah. you going to Twitter, you're in the zoo. Yeah, you're, you're just it's Twitter. It's, you're trash. You're <laughs> <laughs> so it's looking, you know, like a spicy end of the year indeed. Uh, you know what other drama comes to mind when I think about Mariah Carey mm-hmm. outside of just losing our. The next two months, yeah. or technically, you think it'll carry into January? I hope not, but I feel like it probably will. Ah, you okay. know the people because people like to Hanging annoy on. people, yeah, <laughs> and they know that it annoys people, so they just play it just to be dicks about it. <laughs> Is it you? Are you one of those assholes? Mm. Okay, all that to say that he, there's a drama between her and Eminem. And I don't know if you knew about this or if you've heard like somewhere in the background that there's this drama. No, no, a, I did, I've never thought of Eminem and Mariah Carey it's as so one. Weird. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, I feel like either you've kind of heard of it, but like kind of just skimmed it, walked away. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh, wow, I did not need to know yeah. all this. <laughs> or you're going to be like, oh, dang, I had no clue, man. You know, so either way, I hope you're enlightened. <laughs> I'm sure I will be. <laughs> so did you know what the deal was or why they were feuding in the first place? No, again, I didn't ever have a clue. put two and two of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Apparently, they have been feuding ever since Shady claimed to have dated Mimi back in 2002. On his song, Superman, from his fourth <laughs> studio album, The Eminem Show, Slim insinuated he had shared a romance with Mariah. She had strongly, very strongly, (laughs) she's been denying this for two decades now. Yeah. In the song, he says, and I quote, what you Mariah fly through twice. For the Eminem fans out there, I'm sorry, I don't know what the actual beat beat or rhythm rhythm (laughs) melody is to that. So I forgot. Um, And 
since we all know I butcher lyrics, I was watching the lyric video for this. It was a lyric video. I read it. Yeah, I literally asked Jess during our meeting. I'm like, did you? I'm like, I didn't make this up like the other ones. Um, So I look to the left. I look to the right. Uh, Maybe he was just trying to rhyme. (laughs) In the clean version of the music video, it is so silly and nostalgic. One, due to the video being in four by three aspect ratio. So it's literally a square. And for the listeners that don't know uh, what that means, it means the old version. And I'll put it in my... make it four by three just for this section <laughs> uh, aspect ratio and and basically that means it's uh we watched tv in the square format back then before we started watching things in 16 by 9 which is a rectangle mm-hmm. uh which we have tvs and monitors today yeah um do you remember those big box tvs that were squares and they were oh, like yeah. really big and width we had a huge <laughs> we had a huge Jeez one in our Louise. living room that was like I'm telling you, it's like taller yeah. than I am. Yeah. And it was just a box. And the weight and like the <laughs> yeah. weight of those things. Now you have like the other day I walked into my sister's house and these guys love TV. Like her mm-hmm. kids, you've you've met them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and she had, I kid you not, like a I don't know. And on top of that, they're fancy as fuck. It was either Samsung <laughs> or Sony. You know those are the yeah. top two. Mm-hmm. It was like an 88 inch flat screen wow. TV. And I'm like, <laughs> how? Yeah. Why does Captain America's face needs to be that much bigger than yours. It's why I don't understand. But anyway, it's 16 by 9. <laughs> the other reason I felt that it was really nostalgic watching it was because there's a scene where it's like a bird's eye view down uh, and you just see a sea of women and shady and they're all basically naked. You see bras and stuff, but it's insinuating like a C or G and he's like okay. the man in the center and they're like, oh, okay. and it's not just like laying there. It's like pulling and moving and there's like arms and joints everywhere. Okay. I'm like, whoa, is this a human centipede? I don't yeah. know what this is. It was good. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this would not fly today. No. Post COVID. sound like it. No. no. <laughs> there were even shiny, like oily. I'm like, whoa. Anyway. Mariah acknowledged having met Eminem before she was uh, adamant that the two never shared a relationship of any sort, but Shady begged to differ. Uh, And basically, when he played a series of alleged voicemails left on his phone from none other than Mariah, it's voice acting time. (laughs) I want to hear your best Mariah, Ceci. I said I would look up her voice and I didn't. (laughs) Mariah is in the studio, you guys. I'm going to do like a... What I picture her to talk like. Okay. I don't know why, but (laughs) I heard you were getting back with your (gasps) ex-wife. Why don't you see me? Why won't you call me? (laughs) Also, I have a question about this. Yes. Because I know that she was married to that Tommy guy. And then I know she was with Nick Cannon. Mm -hmm. So is she maybe denying all this because it was kind of interlapping? I think it was interlapping. Okay. That was Mm -hmm. what I was. I think that's why Nick Cannon gets dragged later. But gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's awkward. Um, (laughs) So a woman who sounds a lot like Mariah was heard saying in a voicemail clip, those things uh, <laughs> that he played, you know, during a set on his Eminem 2005 anger management tour. Oof. Mm. So not only was it like his recordings, but he played it while on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes, that's a lot of people. Those PA systems. Yeah, they were on fire. So from here on out, the two just shaded each other in their respective songs. This led to Mariah's ex, Nick Cannon, getting dragged into the mix. She dissed him. 
she dissed him Eminem, not Nick okay. Cannon, yeah. <laughs> uh, in her track Obsess, which we all know. Mm-hmm. We all know this song, which was said to be more or less making fun of Eminem. She, you know, she mocks him throughout the music video. She portrays Shady in a handful of scenes stalking her, praising the shrine of her. Like, he, it's obvious that she's trying to make fun of him. It's, okay. It's for mm-hmm. sure him. Like, yeah him and quote air quotes <laughs> yeah. the song became a top 10 hit for her at number seven on the billboard 100 hot 100 and sold over three million copies in the u.s wow. holy cow yeah. back when you could sell copies <laughs> before streaming mm-hmm. eminem came back with his own diss track called the warning and i i was like maybe i can get a few lyrics from this but i was like <laughs> no no i can't in the song he basically says he dated maria for six months that they got intimate one on one occasion only during which the rapper suffered and i quote a premature relief <laughs> which means that he came early <laughs> how embarrassing but that's how you know i feel like he's being honest because he's yeah. willing to like shade himself mm-hmm. to shade her <laughs> and that maria had a drinking problem and that she genuinely or that she and that she regularly <laughs> flew out to see him on her private jet what a celebrity thing right like <laughs> she would come over all the time in her private jet she would land on my building she would <laughs> land on my building he calls out nick cannon a bunch too girl i heard the song and i was you know pulling my uncomfortably fake collar i was pulling I was like, oh fuck um it's just really 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 intense mm-hmm. nick yeah. yeah it's really intense <laughs> that song you listen to it, you're like oh god you almost feel victimized yourself. Like, <laughs> is he I'm, talking about? Is he talking about me? <laughs> so bad. Uh, Nick Cannon rebuttal, telling Eminem to approach him and handle the matter like men, you know, because yeah, mm, we got to fight. So, but Slim Shady was more amused about the drama than anything and continued releasing diss tracks uh, that were mocking Nick's own rap career. <laughs> but I think it first started with him going like, "Dude, she's crazy." Yeah. To later on being like, "Nah, you're, you're a joke yeah. too." Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you're. He reminds me of my sister, Julie. <laughs> he just like, I, I'm, I love you, Eminem, but it sounds like you're over here trying to start stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so Nick Cannon challenged M into like, because everyone has to do this. He said, let's go boxing. And that's the thing. Like, why? why do How they- do you go from a diss track to let's actually go in a boxing ring and just knock each MMA. other out? MMA. Let's get Joe Rogan. <laughs> let's have Joe Rogan and announce like, what's happening. We talked about this. This is like a something that's kind of coming back with we were talking about the Paul brothers. Yeah, Jake the, Paul. Yeah, Jake and, and Logan. Logan I looked Paul. up his name. Logan Paul. They're like legit now. Yeah, they're like they look like really good boxers. I've never seen any other matches, but I remember like you know when all the controversy yeah. behind the. One of them filming something in One Japan. One of them was a very trash human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now they're like both boxers. And I know people don't like them, mm-hmm. but same thing. Like they started as YouTubers, started dissing other yeah. YouTubers, and now they're just boxing. <laughs> this reminds me of my fourth career change. <laughs> Except I wish mine made as much money as theirs. Did. I know, right? <sighs> I guess whatever works. Whatever works, but. <laughs> From what I'm hearing, they are getting mad respect in that industry. Okay. Yeah. But you were saying they have the physique. Yeah. They work out all the yeah. time. So mm-hmm. this is just adding to something they it's, that's already conducive to their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, boxing. <laughs> uh, Eminem was like, nah. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to work out for oh, six man. months on end. <laughs> so what I discovered was that when the disses were at their height, he happened to be dropping new music, thus ex- executing clever self-promotion. Mm-hmm. He is good at generating controversy. And you know who else is fantastic at generating controversy? The media. All right. So we're going to introduce some more just famous names. And okay. I'm sure 
I feel like everybody should know these two names, whether like you know what they did or not. But Tupac and Biggie Smalls or the Notorious B.I.G. Which, by the way, we got to give Cecilia some props right now, some hood cred, because she's <laughs> only like a baby. And this is like way be- This is like almost after my time. But this is like really yeah, yeah, like a decade after your time. Yeah. So, 90, I was born in 99 and the height of this was like 94. <laughs> right. So you're you're getting cultura, baby. You're getting the culture. I have known about this stuff for quite some even though I don't listen. Yeah. To this, I don't know, this is always like what we said earlier, like you always hear about it, but you may not really know what it is. Yeah. So we're going to go in. Mm-hmm. So these, t- again, so. <laughs> so she says so and I say, um, we're on, we're unprofessional. Yeah. We're professional. Okay. <laughs> these two were in something called the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. I am going to have a hard time saying that word. And I'll pop in and go rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, both these men were born in New York and had similar upbringings with troubled households, selling drugs for money, and they both had to work their way up into the industry just based off of their motivation and talent because you think it's hard to get into the industry now. Back then, there was no social media right. to like yeah. put yourself out there. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it was rough. The rivalry, <laughs> <laughs> the rivalry had everything to do with competition among record labels, media coverage, gang culture, and two artists with the talent for rhythmic comebacks. So again, going back into the diss tracks. Hip-hop emerged from New York City in the late 1970s, and they basically remained the forefront of the genre throughout the 80s and into their early 90s. So they really liked being the home of hip-hop. They were what was represented. Like, this is ours. We create. It was created here. And, you know, it's hard not to feel that way about something, especially if you're really involved in it. Mm-hmm. So... They didn't take it so great when artists like Ice-T, MC Hammer, NWA, and more were taking the spotlight to L.A. L.A., baby. Yeah, the West Coast. (laughs) So many people say that the start of this rivalry began when Tim Dog, an East Coast-based rapper, released Fuck Compton, a diss track aimed at NWA, as well as other artists from Compton, which... We're kind of close to Compton. We're very close to Compton. We're not going to take it to heart, but (laughs) (laughs) NWA didn't respond with a track back. He's like, "Mm, I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. But you know who did? Mm. (laughs) And also we're talking about this. So many people like in these stories go through phases of names before they find the one that fits them the best. But even then it just keeps going because Eminem right. had M, had Slim Shady. Slim Shady, well, he had kinda, Shady. Yeah, he still goes had, by him though. Like <laughs> That's true. Mimi, I don't think anyone calls Mariah Carey no. that anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So yeah, it's just <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> and I just want to say it with like a Snoop Doggy Dog. Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> he responded to Tim Dog on Dr. Dre's song Fuck with Dre Day. I said it right this time. Hey. And it was actually Dr. Dre's solo debut album, The Chronic, which was released on Death Row Records and went triple platinum. And after that, Snoop Dogg, which was seen as Dr. Dre's protege. Yeah, and he says that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He released his debut album, Doggy Style, and went also went platinum multiple times. So all this success shined a huge spotlight on the West Coast and their hip hop scene, thus stirring the pot between the two coasts. And it's 
it's hard and I don't want to say it and like offend anybody, but it's like, let people just make and enjoy right, things. Just enjoy things. <laughs> but also I like how it's like the West Coast, East Coast rivalry and everyone in the Midwest, or like in Wisconsin or like Georgia. What about us? I know. Like, Ain't like, nobody, nobody care about cares. you guys. <laughs> so although there were plenty of artists involved in the rivalry, like even before Tupac and Biggie, mm-hmm. we're going to just focus on them for you'll see why. <laughs> Tupac wound up moving out to California and went on to be signed to Interscope Records and later Death Row, home of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And Biggie was signed by Puff Daddy's Bad Boy Records in Manhattan. So already you see there. Yeah. Yeah. Biggie's East Coast and Tupac is West West Coast. Coast. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, from the articles I read, this rivalry was already an underlying thing again before them. And the East Coast, it was just... Mainly pinned on them feeling resentment towards the West Coast yeah. after they just kept receiving more and more like attention for hip hop. Guys, you were all going to make your cash money. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the upsetting thing about this, though, is that these two were like they were friends before everything blew up. And so, you know, you lost a friend already. You're kind of feeling shady towards each other. <laughs> yeah. And now like. You can't get away from it because that's all everybody's talking about. Mm -hmm. However, again, most of the drama, it started after Tupac was shot five times in the lobby of Quad Recording Studios in Times Square on November 30th, 1994. You guys can't see it, but Cece's pulling on her invisible, uncomfortable collar. I'm I'm twiddling with my hands (laughs) a lot. (laughs) This is her anxiety. Like, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So you can see how that looks. He's Mm. on the East Coast. And at the time, he was in the lobby above uh, the studio that Mm -hmm. I believe it was Puff Daddy, Biggie, and one or two more people that were recording. So Mm -hmm. he actually played dead so that the people who were shooting at him would leave. Play dead, play dead. And after, (laughs) (laughs) after, like, he saw that they were gone, he went back upstairs and he felt that Puff Daddy and Biggie were, like, acting a little suspicious. Wait, you're saying Tupac went upstairs? Yeah, so it was a After big building. After he was shot five times? Yeah, I don't know where it shot him. I didn't dig that. He's deep. like but dragging himself not. up the elevator. <laughs> yeah, so he went back up there. What? And then he's like, in his head, it kind of seemed like they weren't expecting to see him alive. So he's like, well, that's suspicious. Why are you guys like looking at me like this? Instead of thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm probably bleeding right now. I'm shot. Maybe that's why they look concerned. <laughs> Right, right. Maybe they're like, bro, do you need a, do you need like a first responder? Like, can we help you? But either way, however it went down, since nobody like whoever was there is either not talking about it or there were no iPhones to take care of. Like, there's just no way of knowing. So he thought it was an inside job and thought that it was Biggie and Puff Daddy Mm. who did it, who was behind it and a couple other friends. And the incident, whether it was a message from a rival group or the work of a former friend or Mm. just a random attack, even. It was enough to create a rift between Tupac and Biggie, and they just weren't ever to like be friends again. They were just mm. not enemies, but just no. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. When your life, yeah, yeah. You th- you, yeah, it's hard to <laughs> go back from that. So you know, we're gonna go back to the feud. Tupac was serving a sentence following allegations of sexual abuse. Mm. While he was serving his sentence, it seemed like he was just you know stewing in his own anger. Because mm. what else are you gonna do when you're in jail? Yeah, right. More and- rap. <laughs> yeah, it was just like Biggie was out there. He was yeah. a free man getting yeah. more fame while Tupac was just in jail. And 
you know, Biggie really didn't do himself any favors in gaining yeah. trust from Tupac afterwards because he released the song Who Shot Ya? <laughs> Where he <laughs> very clearly, yeah, he very clearly expresses his loyalty to the East Coast. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he does claim, Biggie does claim yeah. that he recorded the song before Tupac was shot, but... You know, it's up to you whether you want to believe that or not. Well, you know, songs do take a while to get produced. They do, yeah. yeah. But it's so. also, like, coincidence. <laughs> Maybe you want to, like, put that off for yeah, a while. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> talk to your PR man. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw this for a while recently uh, through diss tracks mm-hmm. with influencers and even rappers like Eminem and MGK, oh. which is, it's funny that we're bringing them up again because uh-huh. you ended off with Eminem. Eminem was releasing music. Yeah. When this whole thing was going on, MGK right after released his album. Really? How yeah. early was that? I don't know. I don't know what the album's called, but I know that the picture is like, I think it's his chest in like black and white. Oh. But it was like very quickly after the whole diss track thing because oh. that song was on the album. Got it. Uh-huh. Oh, that 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 warning song. Yes. I forgot what We're shooting called. from the hip here. Don't quote us on this one. <laughs> no, I know that it came out like mm-hmm. fairly after. I don't know the song that MGK did about yeah. Eminem, but it was on the album. But may I say... <laughs> That feud between Eminem and MGK was the best thing that could have ever For happened MGK. to MGK. He hold he hold on did the whole T Swift thing where she was I'm country I'm uh-huh. pop I'm folk I'm back to whatever I want. MGK totally did that and went mm-hmm. rock and like yeah and he's there. Rock he's was won like, a lot of awards. Recently. I'm here for you. Yeah, yeah. I think the most recent one was this last weekend and he took his daughter out and she looked really pretty. And like they I forgot what they won but they looked oh, really yeah, good. Yeah, that award recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They oh look really gosh. good. So so good for. You, and he's dating MG- Megan Fox. I know. And that nose job. Who is your surgeon? Real small. You can't even pick your nose anymore. <laughs> but, you know, these diss tracks, we hear them now and it's like, oh, like some people, I guess yeah. they kind of get into it. I just see it as like, oh, okay, like I, it's why just can't going we just, back and forth. Why can't we take it at face value? You know what I mean? My yeah. thing is like, like there's a, a track that um, Nicki Minaj does where she throws in Eminem's name. I feel like I know what you're talking Makes about. it seem like they're lovers or something. Okay. And no one was, and so at first they were like, <gasps> she claims that they were yeah. lovers. And, <laughs> and then it was, nobody cared. It was so dropped. It was like, oh, maybe she's just. Maybe she's yeah. just rapping, mm-hmm. her, like literally her job. Okay, yeah. So like, yeah, we see some of those as like we don't take them seriously, but back then these like legitimately started wars between people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just moving on. The lack of self awareness. <laughs> it's okay. What is it? What do they say? It's your opinion, and you're entitled to oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> so while in jail, Tupac was approached by Suj Knight, a death row representative. Uh, the la- the record label, not the actual death row. Oh. <laughs> They're not like, hey, do you want to just? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and Knight was able to convince him to join the label. And once he got out of jail, Tupac immediately went straight to writing and recording music, including his diss track "Hit 'Em Up," which is a direct provocation towards Biggie that threatened violence and established Tupac as an opposing representative of the West Coast rap scene. So, yeah. It's a little weird, I've noticed, because, like, again, they were both born in New York, Mm -hmm. but then they took sides, but then sometimes it seems like they didn't take sides. So it's like, huh. It's just all over the place, but also it's a lot of speculation. Exactly. Because here, like I said, back then we didn't have the social. Like, now if someone's feuding with someone, they'll go up and be like, hey, so-and-so's a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's straight up. Mm -hmm. Like, when the whole... 
Katy Perry T Swift thing, everyone knew why. It wasn't like, oh, they're fighting because they're pop stars and women mm. and women, blah, blah, blah. It was like, oh, actually, T Swift was using dancers that originally belonged to Katy Perry. Oh. And so then when Katy Perry went back on tour, mm -hmm. she, her dancers went back with her. Okay. And so T Swift was like, oh, I can't believe her. She took my dancers. Um, when in reality, they were already yeah. Katie's. Yeah. So and here it's like, oh, I heard that this person did right. this. And yeah, it's just a mess. <laughs> so, yeah, I digress. <laughs> Shortly after all of this was going down, Tupac released All Eyes on Me in 1996 and Biggie's Life After Death <laughs> in 1997, which those were the last two albums before they tragically passed away. But a lot of people were like, huh, Biggie's Life After Death, like, I don't know, like, conspiracies obviously because you i don't know i don't i, I read you. something somewhere where uh -huh. it was like conspiracy people that are into conspiracies and i i was i was very upset after i read this <laughs> i took it very personal when i know i shouldn't have but the meme was like yeah people that are really into conspiracies just don't really know a lot of things <laughs> they <laughs> just make things just, up <laughs> they just won't admit that they don't know facts about things they're like oh Fuck you. Yeah, so <laughs> some people thought that, I don't know, maybe he had an inkling, and then some people were just like, it's a coincidence. <laughs> coincidence. Yeah, take it how, how you, however you take it. <laughs> Tupac was shot in Las Vegas in a drive-by on September 7th, 1996, and he passed away six days later on September 13th, 1996. Which is crazy, because he already had got shot. Yeah, so as far as I know, that's his second shooting, but I don't know, he could have been involved in more and just survived. Um, Suj Knight, the representative from Death Row Records, he was also in the car, but he survived the shooting. Mm. And no one knew who was behind this drive-by, which made Biggie and many other artists on edge because mm. they were scared. They're like, we don't know who did this. Like, it's, am I next? It's, it hit its boiling point. Yeah. It's no longer like... Uh, Especially because, like, animosity it's, for no reason. And now right. it's like, oh, there's consequences. And it, because these are like gangsters, they mm -hmm. have their gangs. And if, you know, your, I don't know, your friend over here is like, hey, I, I did this yeah. for the East Coast. I did it it's for you, right, homie, because I love you, dog. But nobody was saying that. <laughs> so Biggie was like, who, who did this? Like, everybody was like, who the fuck did this? <laughs> So, yeah, unfortunately for Biggie, he was shot in a drive-by in Los Angeles only six months later on March 9th, 1997, oh my God. where he did pass away. And to this day, no one knows who was behind both of these shootings, but people do have their suspicions, of mm -hmm. course. And, you know, many people looked at the rivalry between the two coasts as well as the beef the two had Yeah, and with the first shooting of Tupac. Some people also thought that their record labels could possibly be involved as well. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, which... you know what? Anything with money, anything with big money. Because mm -hmm. also, I feel like we've talked about this in the last season. Like, death sells. Death sells. Yeah. 100%. People are going to love you if you die and you have music out or whatever out. They're like, going to love you. They're like, oh, Michael Jackson's releasing another song. Like, how? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a few people out there who think, you know, either or or possibly both of these men are still alive somewhere. Oh. And they just had enough of what they were dealing with and just decided to fake their own deaths. Hey, if you had the money to restart over. Yeah. And if they did, leave them alone. Yeah. Leave them alone. <laughs> like all those sightings of Tupac in Cuba. Oh, yeah. Let him live his life. He's man. living his best coconut life. <laughs> leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> so again, none of these have been confirmed. So take this with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But what can be said is that these two are definitely gone way too soon. 
Uh, they were both in their like early to <gasps> mid 20s. Which is crazy. Yeah, because when you hear of them and even when you look at pictures of them, they do not look that young. They look like men. They look yeah. like men men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 30s yeah. at the very least. So, you know, they were gone too soon. They were very ahead of their time. And their legacy will live on through the music they created and left behind for the world. Oh, yeah. good job, <laughs> Cecilia. Okay, so I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast not too long ago mm-hmm. uh, where he speaks to Snoop Dogg. And this is, the what is it? The words from the babe's mouth or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so he actually does go over like the rivalry uh-huh. briefly. And I'll play some small pieces. So a few things that I got from that whole interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little segment here. There's three uh, time codes I'm going to share. Yeah. But this first one, he talks about his peers and he talks about how there was a lot of death in the music, which will lead us to our next point. But mm-hmm. he that's why he changed his tune, which is why he changed his name so many times. Oh, okay. He wanted to scrub those version of himself oh. because he wanted to like Jewel also says, like, you know, at the time of Jewel uh, hitting stardom mm-hmm. um, from San Diego and she was originally from like Alaska, she was saying that like grunge was really, really big at the time. And so everyone was really into the songs about like depression. Mm-hmm. They were into the songs about like self-harm all that stuff and she was like well that that was selling at the time especially because at the height of Kurt Cobain right yeah but you can only hurt so long before you die mm-hmm. right there there again back to the boiling point you can only build that much traction and tension till mm-hmm. it leads to a demise yeah, just... of some sort it has to hit a, a peak mm-hmm. and so she's like I didn't want to do that and that's what Snoop Dogg says in, in overall he goes that's why now I my shit's like vibey mm-hmm. like it's all about living life yeah mm-hmm. and so that right here a lot of sense. right mm-hmm. this is what he says just think about my peers me Tupac Biggie yeah. like just think about our records the last records that they made it was a lot of death it had some life in it too but it had a lot of death in it Yeah, that East Coast West Coast shit. It became a a real, a real divide in the country with hip hop, right? Yeah, it was because you didn't want to be on the wrong side, and you didn't want to like, like for example, if you had friends, right, that was leaning more towards the East Coast, and then you had a friend that really wanted to hear West Coast music, y'all might have ended y'all friendship. Yeah, based off of that. Yeah, back mm-hmm. to what you were saying. You're like, oh, man, I, I'm from the West Coast, but that East Coast rap yeah. is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we can't be friends anymore. No. Like, wow. <laughs> you gotta be quiet about that stuff. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but that's just an opinion. Yeah. I'm not hurting nobody. Because just... it's like a brotherhood. It's like a bond where yeah. they, they'll feel betrayed. How dare you yeah. like that groovy tune? Mm-hmm. And then this one, he talks about how they couldn't control the media platform, which mm-hmm. is why I said what I said. We couldn't control the media like we can now Mm. so even back then east coast and west coast used to hang with each other and kick it and love each other but we didn't control the media platform so like what we didn't have an instagram or facebook and none of that shit where we can slap up a picture of me and nas and Mm -hmm. jay-z and this person hanging out we didn't have that all you had was the media saying the east coast and the west coast don't like each other which side you choosing so i was like dang that was that's Mm -hmm. crazy firsthand And then just like the last thing he says that I thought was pretty big, and it's just big, uh, goes back to speculation, which goes back to like, well, fake news. Yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, what, what's the term that we were using a lot? Um, misinformation. Yes. Misinformation. Yeah. So then that's basically it. It's just another version. Speculation is another version of that. Mm-hmm. And so you just it was like fuel to the fire. Okay. Tupac 
okay, did somebody have something to do with that from the East Coast? We don't know. Biggie, he got killed on the West Coast. So that put speculation that maybe somebody from the West Coast had something to do with it. So it just kept fueling to the fire until you had people like uh, Puffy, myself, Steve Harvey, who were man enough to say, look, we need to put an end to this and let people know that we don't advocate that. We really love each other. We're a family. And we started building bridges and started doing things together and being seen together and, and controlling our own narrative as far as what we was putting in the public's eye. Yeah, it, it started off like, it seems like it started off as, yeah, like they want to be better than each other, but yeah. then it just got out of their control. And they're like, hold on, let's yeah, reel it back in. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, yeah. it's already out there. He, he absolutely affirms everything you've mm-hmm. discovered, which is great. Um, but yeah, so now there is no more divide, which is, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thankfully. But, <laughs> Well, we're on the topic of unfortunate casualties in music, which I nonchalantly make <laughs> that statement. <laughs> Have you heard of the 27 Club? I actually haven't really heard too much about it until you brought it up. Oh, really? When we mm-hmm. were talking about what topics? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you guys now, I know the season's supposed to be less bummer, but I'm about to bum you guys out. Yeah. Because <laughs> what did we say? <laughs> Death cells. <laughs> okay my conspiracy mind takes over and i just get wavy baby like i just and all i knew before this was that kurt cobain was 27 when he committed suicide and that amy winehouse was 27 when she passed away Mm -hmm. and i was and so then you know everyone kind of knows a few names here and there but don't really know know what the deal was so i wanted to dive into it more since we we did talk about musical death yeah Mm -hmm. the 27 club is tossed up as tragic coincidences in rock and roll history the term became widely known after kurt cobain's death in 1994 leaving rock fans to connect his age to that of jim morrison Mm -hmm. uh, janice joplin brian jones and Jimi hendrix Mm -hmm. though it was notable to fans in the early 1970s when those four visionaries all died within two years of each other. Oh, wow. And all the same age. And all the same age. That so is. you're like, coincidence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The 27 Club is a majority of musicians of the most notable kind. Some died from unknown circumstances, while others from taking their own lives, and many fell victims to the use of excess drug and alcohol use. Here are a few. As early as 1938, a talented Robert... 1938... This is how early it starts. Mm -hmm, A talented Robert Johnson recorded chilling folklore songs about hellhounds, the devil, and general despair while in the grooviest of ways playing against... playing against like uh, dissonant guitar lines. This is so weird because when you were mentioning all that within two years and whatnot, the first thing that went through my mind is like, I know some people are out there saying they sold their souls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is, ooh, okay. And, you know, and he's saying uh, uh, on top of that. So he's mm-hmm. saying he made these beautiful melodic uh, and, and it was all like the devil, the crossroads, yeah. hellhounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. He recorded less than 50 songs that were later covered by like Cream and the Rolling Stones. Mm. So they were used later on. How do you think he passed? The first one, 1938. Yeah, 1938. I don't know. For Robert Johnson. Because you say like freak accidents, but what is, what's considered freak in the 1930s? <laughs> oh, we'll cover, we'll cover the freak accident later. But in the 1930s, okay. I don't know, maybe you got trampled on by a horse or something? I, I was thinking that too. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to go with he committed suicide. Okay. Uh, no. 
a few months after his 27th birthday, Johnson made moves on the wife of the owner of a roadhouse where he would perform. So okay. he was, hey, baby. Yes. <laughs> um, he drank from an open bottle of whiskey that he was offered and died three days later of strychnine poisoning and Ooh. pneumonia. He is buried in an unmarked grave in Mississippi. Wow. Was it the husband? Nobody knows. We don't know. <laughs> we just know he died from strychnine poisoning, which I will cover right now. <laughs> but suspicious. Yeah. Um, also very supernatural sounding in regards to the lyrics of choice. Just I just kept thinking of the, every episode that had a hellhound, oh, yeah. that had the crossroad <laughs> demon, yeah. that had like what you were saying, like, let me just become famous yeah. and I'll sell mm-hmm. my soul or whatever. Don't quote me on that because you can easily cut that out. (laughs) Uh, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stone in 1969 mixed alcohol and drugs and then went swimming in the pool. And apparently he'd do this often. Okay. And uh, which people found to be super suspicious also because he died. (laughs) Yeah. From going swimming and drinking and which is like, that's like my typical summer. Swimming and drinking. (laughs) Maybe not No, I didn't. Did I say drugs? You said it's like your typical summer, and he's doing drugs and alcohol. Maybe just Tito's baby, just Tito's. Okay, Jimi Hendrix in the early hours of September eighteenth, nineteen seventy, took sleeping pills uh, when he was at his girlfriend's apartment, mm. or I guess they don't call them apartments there; they would call it a flat. His girlfriend's yeah. flat in London, mm-hmm. and Jimi Hendrix took. Uh, I believe he took about nine pills of uh, Vesprix, which is a strong barbiturate. And so mm-hmm. I had to like look this stuff up because I was mm-hmm. like, what? What? What is all this? What yeah. is all this? <laughs> um, but yeah, they're saying it's about nine. Nobody knows for sure how many pills he swallowed mm-hmm. or whether he understood what he was taking. But the drug was Vesprix and it's a strong barbiturate. And basically a barbiturate is a drug that acts as a... Sen- that acts as a central nervous system depressant. Uh, Vesperax was invented in 1964. It has sedative and hypnotic properties and was used for the treatment of insomnia. Mm, so like, because I was thinking, if you're taking nine pills of something, you I feel like you kind of want to end it. But also like this hypnotic thing. So Maybe you he don't was even know if you're on your trip. Right. Yeah, or if you're in your right mind at yeah. all, and you just keep taking them because yeah. you don't, you forget that you already it's took like, one. <laughs> well, I feel like because have you ever gone like have you ever? You're, it's like when you go drinking and you're <laughs> celebrating things. That's the only way my brain can do. And then you you cross into that other like I'm, I'm World. getting blocked yeah. out, and then you don't even know what you're doing at that point because you're yeah, like your you soul like, is somewhere else. You blink and you're in like and, thirty minutes time after. <laughs> Whoa, time is going by so fast. Um, yeah, so apparently half a tablet of the Vesperix was enough to put a man to sleep for eight hours. Oh, wow. And, and he took nine And he of took like nine-ish, yeah. give or take. So yeah. he was asleep forever. Yeah. Also, I think his girlfriend? I don't know. Oh, no. Maybe that wasn't him. No, I'm speculating. Uh, okay. Janis Joplin was said to feel lonely. And one of her last songs literally had the word lonely in it or mm. lonely woman or something like that. On October 4th, 1970, uh, her, she got her heroin kit out and injected a vein in her left arm. And this was at the hotel she was staying after mm. the show. Then she went to go get cigarettes in the cigarette machine, like a vending machine for yeah. cigarettes, <laughs> in the hotel lobby. She returned to her room with a pack. She closed the door, started to undress and reached to put her pack onto the nightstand. And that's when she like keeled over, hitting her face on the table. And then she fell to the floor. And then they found mm. her the next day. Oh, wow. So that's like drugs but also a freak accident yeah that could be like maybe she she boop really yeah. hard or something mm-hmm. 
Jim Morrison died on July 3rd, 1971. Morrison died of a heart attack brought on by drugs. Mm -hmm. He died of a heart attack from using heroin and he died of an overdose, which we they say was not intentional. Okay. So, so he, he just overdosed just, yeah. and it's like crap. And that caused the heart attack, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. I, I believe, I think it was Jim Morrison's girlfriend who died at the, like, not the same time, oh, but, but she like would have been close. 27 as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. so the 27 linked helped reinforce the idea that Jim had been, like, special. People were like, whoa, you know, that his death was faded, uh, that there were, you know, something, that something was weird was happening, mm -hmm. right? The fact that Jim's girlfriend, like I said, had died at the same age, underline the weirdness of the coincidence yeah. even more mm -hmm. and the list goes on and on and so you're like okay maybe these people did sell their souls for something here's a list of them i didn't get everybody because it's actually a pretty long list <laughs> um but there's ronald mckernan and he was helping he basically helped form the band that we know today as the grateful dead Okay. So he was part of that and, and he died as mm -hmm. well. Dave Alexander, he was a founding bassist of the band The Stooges. Mm -hmm. Pete Ham was uh, in Badfinger. Chris Bell from Big Star. Jay, I'm uh, sorry, D. Boone uh, helped create Minutemen and the Reactionaries. Mm -hmm. John or Jean Michael Basquiat, or Basquiat, I didn't. I think that's it. He was actually an artist. So he wasn't even a musician. He was an, a painter. Oh, wow. uh, and Jay-Z actually references his music a lot. Hmm. Or sorry, Jay-Z references in him a lot in his music. Okay. And he was doing things with like Andy. Like there was some type of connection with Andy Warhol. Mm -hmm. You think of Madonna. Like this guy was oh, wow. in it. He was, um, you know, the artists were buying his artistry. Um, mm. But I think from what I read, he was developing a big like drug thing okay at the time and you know we know about Kurt Cobain of course you know he shot himself yeah uh or Amy, conspiracy theorists out there have their own <laughs> yeah or conspiracy yeah some people say maybe this maybe that there was something about him a potential lawsuit happening soon and he was afraid of losing his house I, did, I watched a documentary on that and yeah. it's like it's very I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the way that where the gun was found. It's like not it's like three feet away from him. And it was a huge mm. shotgun. So like, how are you going to? The only thing is that if it is a huge shotgun, a blow of a shotgun. It could knock it back. Right. right. But the, it was like stood up. Oh, see, like I don't know about if that. somebody were to leave it yeah. on the table. So that's because I thought yeah. of that time, like, oh, the blow, like, because also how, because it's like, how did he do it? Like he had yeah. to use his foot or something, but also he was wearing shoes. So like, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It, we're not going to dive into that today. Um, <laughs> on the next one. Um, yeah, that was... Anyway. So, Believe what you want. I think a, a therapist had said, because I think he was seeing like a therapist, but it was like, yeah. really helping. And he was like, he. it was his way of saying like, all right, you're not going to get me out of my house. Yeah, it's like there's no denying that there was definitely something up with him. Yeah. Like no matter what you believe, mm -hmm. but it's it's very sad. There's a lot of commonality or commonalities in these people, which I mm -hmm. discovered. And I think I go over it a little bit later, but if not, then I'll remember. And I, too, sometimes wish there was more to the conspiracy since I love a, a good conspiracy. <laughs> or, you know, like we stated, uh, maybe I watch a lot of Supernatural. Yeah. Maybe too much. <laughs> CC also watches too much Supernatural. <laughs> but as strange as this club is to wrap your mind around, it's just sheer coincidence, unfortunately, mm -hmm. until proven otherwise. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the a lot of these people suffered from, like I said, major depression, loneliness, and had access to wealth that gave them access to all sorts of paraphernalia that could help 
with the numbing of the angst. Mm -hmm. So that's very similar to what we were talking about with the West Coast and the East Coast and how like even them, like to have that much animosity towards other people, I feel like obviously your house, Mm -hmm. there's something wrong. There's something that's not fully tuned there. It's really sad, unfortunately, with more verbal conversations taking place today, podcasts and commercials advocating for mental health, it's become easier to be less likely to succumb to those type of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much more help available and it's actually cheaper nowadays yeah. and now you can get it remotely. Mm-hmm. I know before it was like taboo too to try to talk about that stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, you have a- Now people are like, I have a therapist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like people love... It's like a flex. It's almost a flex (laughs) now. Yeah. Which is like, hey, better than not, right? Go get the help. So there's so much more help available. And although I am a huge fan of grunge music and emotional folk, I love me some really sad folk music Mm because the melodies are so beautiful. They're sweet and you can sing along. It's not like really fast music where you have to keep it to it. You can like, take your time. Mm -hmm. You know, I am glad that there is more feel good rock and roll coming out in the scene now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all fun. Um, The 27 Club hasn't been growing as much Thankfully, mm-hmm. a lot less of that activity. Mm-hmm. Its latest member is Anton Yelkin, who appeared in 18 films from 2011 through 2015. Wow. He was a sensitive actor <laughs> who also did voiceover gigs. And he died in a freak accident pinned against a brick pillar by his very own car. Oh, that's, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stories like these make me grateful to be 30. <laughs> Because <laughs> I passed the 27 <laughs> All right, let's leave you guys with the final question. Okay. Are you team Eminem or Mariah Carey on this one? I don't know if I'm either. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's hard with celebrities and stuff. It's like you like the attention. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mariah Carey. I know you didn't like it, but you did like it because Obsessed made you bank. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Who are you? What are you, Team Eminem or Mimi? <laughs> Shady or Mimi? Who are you? <laughs> well, that all being said, thank you all so much for listening and joining us on today's episode. And if you'd like to follow along on our podcast journey, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, 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 <laughs> and Patreon, all under at Talks and Sips. For our personal accounts, mine is at Sessie.nCesaw. I am at JFox with two X's and underscores at the end. And we also have our website, talksandsips.com. <laughs> we would choose a name that won't help our list. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Where you can check out links for this episode, as well as find all of the season one and Toxic Sips episodes. So we hope to see you on the next one. See you on the next one. Bye. Bye.